From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. There are dueling pieces of legislation in Congress right now involving parents' rights when it comes to their child's education. In late March, the Republican-controlled U.S. House narrowly passed what's called the Parents' Bill of Rights on a 213 to 208 vote. Five Republicans voted against it. It codifies federal education law to give parents access to school curricula, library books, teaching materials, the budget, among other things. Democrats have sharply criticized the bill. They say it would censor teachers and ban books. The Republican-led bill was co-sponsored by Oregon 5th District Congresswoman Lori Chavez-Dreamer. Here's part of what she said in support of the bill on the House floor in late March. But at the end of the day, nobody will understand a child's interests and needs more than the people who love them most, their parents. So it's easy to understand why parents want to have and deserve to have the right to know what's going on inside the classroom. It is their responsibility. That's why we need the Parents' Bill of Rights, to help students succeed by ensuring every parent can have a voice in their child's education. Again, the Republican bill passed the full House and is now in the Senate, where Senate Majority Leader Democrat Chuck Schumer has said the bill has no political future. Meanwhile, Democrat Oregon 1st District Congresswoman Suzanne Bonamici is proposing an alternative bill, the Bill of Rights for Students and Parents. She calls it an inclusive, aspirational, and affirmative vision for education and opposes efforts to censor curriculum. Bonamici's proposal has received support from the National PTA, National Parents Union, National Education Association, Human Rights Campaign, NAACP, and many others. In this episode of Straight Talk, Representative Bonamici joins us to tell us more about her proposal. And we're also joined by the Oregon president of the PTA, Lisa Kensel. She's also development director for a nonprofit organization. The national PTA helped craft the resolution's language, and Kensel was in D.C. when the legislation was introduced. Welcome to my guests, Oregon Congresswoman Suzanne Bonamici and the president of the Oregon PTA, Lisa Kensel. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you both here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, and happy Lisa's with us as well. Well, let's talk about the bills, because the Republican-passed bill was co-sponsored by your Republican colleague. Right, You're both right. on the same education committee, yes. Lori Chavez-Dreamer. Why did you feel that it was important to have an alternative measure? Well, Laurel, when I found out that we were going to be talking about parental involvement in schools, I said, sign me up. This is what I did for years. I was fortunate to take a career break. I spent a lot of time working in classrooms, volunteering for district committees, knocking on doors for bond measures, uh, parental involvement. I was very excited about it. But then when I saw the bill that my Republican colleagues proposed, I realized this doesn't actually do much at all for positive parental involvement. So I worked with the PTA, with lots of other organizations. We have now more than 250 organizations supporting the Parent and Student Bill of Rights, which really is about getting parents involved in an authentic, meaningful way. And Lisa, why do you support the Congresswoman's Bill? Well, we feel that the plan prioritizes safe and inclusive environments for families to be in the building, school building with their kids, um, encourages those school meaningful school partnerships, um, and actually is just, it hits the mark for authentic family involvement across the board. The National PTA helped craft the language in the resolution. What are some of the most significant parts, do you think, that were included in the bill? Were there some parts that you think are really key? Um, 
I just feel that the sure what we focus on in the bill is um, authentic engagement you know, making a, po a positive relationship between uh, parents and educators not an adversarial relationship when we listen to the debate which went on for hours and hours when we were marking up or moving the bill through the, the Republican bill through the committee it sounded like parents were adversaries and that's not what we want we also want as Lisa mentioned safe schools for our children. Uh, our bill does not discriminate and it encourages inclusive safe schools in that way. Uh, so I'm really excited that we have a positive vision for education and for parental involvement. And I want to mention too the concern that I have about, you know, I don't know if you saw that just recently the, the national scores came out and students are down in history and civics. We need an accurate teaching of our country's history and real engagement because uh, education is about preparing people to, to function in society and in democracy. So that's part of the bill as well. And in fact, the, the bill that passed the House uh, it's basically a blueprint for micromanaging teachers, for banning books. It's, it requires the schools and the districts that no, with no additional funding to provide these um, ongoing lists of every piece of curriculum, every book in the library. This, first of all, curriculum is, you can get access to that budget information. You can get, that's, that's already public. This is just setting up an adversarial relationship and giving you know, parents the opportunity to threaten schools funding if they don't get an updated list of every book in the library and every piece of curriculum and professional development. So we need a positive vision and that's why I wrote the bill. Well, let's break down some of those and let's compare the five pillars for each bill. Right. We'll start with, with your bill, the Bill of Rights for Students and yeah. Parents. The first one is a well-rounded education. The second, authentic parental involvement. The third one, responsive and inclusive public schools. Four, students' civil rights. And the fifth one is education and democracy. Now compare that to the five pillars in the GOP bill. The first one is the right to know what's being taught in schools and to see reading material. The second is the right to be heard. The third is right to see the school budget and spending. The fourth, right to protect their child's privacy. And the fifth, the right to be updated on any violent activity at school. You know, a lot of parents during the pandemic and after the pandemic, and I'm sure that you've heard this, Lisa, were really frustrated and angry with, with the mask mandate, with the extended school closures, with online learning that really during that time, a lot of students fell behind. And that really energized this parental involvement movement that we're talking about. Do you? kind of understand why a lot of folks would jump on the bandwagon and support this GOP bill that talks about a bill of rights for parents? Yeah, I can see how families would want to uh, re-engage back into their school communities post-COVID. Um, I had three children uh, in working and online, learning online while I was working from home. And as soon as you know the world opened up and they went back to school, I was you know ready to get back in there myself. Um, and having that transparency within the school building is, is really important. Um, but I feel like, as uh, the Congresswoman mentioned, the micromanagement of schools is not going to move us forward. And what do you think about this parental involvement movement? You, can you understand that, why people oh, would support the GOP bill? I can understand absolutely why people want transparency, why they want to know what's in the curriculum and what's in the budget. That They already have that. They can. 
contact the district. I used to go knock on doors. And I would take a little card with me that had a website because people said, oh, the school's spending too much on this or that, and, and I'd hand them out. This has been going on for years. People have access. They can contact their, they can go to school board meetings. They can run for the school board. So those sort of enumerated rights in the Republican bill, of course people want transparency. You don't need a federal law to say that. Uh, but the concern that I have is the tool that's actually given through that bill is the Federal funding could be threatened if parents don't get these updated, these lists of curriculum, professional development, all the materials in the library. Um, and I, t I tell you, Laurel, it's really concerning, this, this effort to limit what students can see and learn where one parent can complain and then the rest of the Parents feel like, well, what about my child? I want my child to learn the accurate telling of history. So that's why we worked with educators. We worked with civil rights groups. There were provisions added in the Republican bill when it was going to the floor that actually require educators to sort of police bathrooms and report if they think the student's going to the wrong bathroom. Well, that, we don't need that in our schools. We want students to be safe and feel safe. Um, and so, yes, of course, we want parents to be involved, but in a, in a helpful way. And, and I know, Lisa knows this too with the PTA, they're parents who wish they could be involved, but they might not have transportation. They may be working two jobs. They, they may not speak English and they're not sure if there'll be a translator. They might not have childcare. So they, we wanna break down those barriers so more parents can be involved. And I never had a parent say to me, I wish I could be more involved in my children's school if I only had a parent's bill of rights to tell me I could do that said no one. So we want to make it easier for parents to be authentically involved, not being an adversary. When the Republicans have criticized Democrats because they say Dem a lot of your support is coming from education associations, coming from teachers unions, and they say that Democrats are beholden to the teachers unions and really siding against parents. How do you respond to that? Let me ask Lisa first. Well, um, PTA is a fully volunteer run organization. We're all volunteers and we're all parents. Um, and so we're fully in support of this. Um, uh, we also support our teachers. We support our school buildings and our administrators. Uh, and we want to make sure that all families get to come to the table and have a say and be involved in their school communities. Do you want to respond to yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Public education is so important for our children, for our families, for our future, for democracy. Uh, and if we want to have public schools that are, are providing that well-rounded education that prepares students for, for life, we need to involve teachers in the conversation. I'm proud to have the endorsement of teachers' organizations, as well as parents, as well as civil rights organizations, both local and national, uh, because we took a comprehensive approach and really listened to what would make our schools fully welcoming and fully prepare students for the future. And it's not through uh, you know, looking at lists of books in the library. Let's talk more, more about that book ban because mm -hmm. it's getting a lot of publicity. Republicans, right. first of all, say right. that their bill wouldn't ban books, but there is concern that it would ban books, that especially about the LGBTQ plus community, Correct. people of color, and also might curtail discussion about racism in the classroom. Uh, let me ask you both, how does this bill address those concerns? How do you address the possibility of book bans? Well, the concern that I have about the, the Republican bill that passed is I call it a blueprint for book banning because why else would you say every 
parent gets to get a list of every single book in the library. Of course, parents have the right to know what their children are learning, but we have educators, librarians, and a process where we can have that conversation without using it as a tool to threaten funding. So I'm very concerned about book bans, and I want to say one of my colleagues said on the House floor that he was really worried about his 13-year-old seeing a book in the library. And the 13-year-old probably has a phone, probably watches television, I'm sure has access mm -hmm. to the internet. It's not about a book. Uh, this is being, uh, unfortunately, it sounds like it's putting politics over parents. Uh, so let's have a real conversation. You know, we have educators who are trained and prepared and librarians and media specialists. Um, of course we want students to have age-appropriate materials, but that happens in our schools. So um, this isn't about banning books. It's about uh, a political message that the Republicans are sending. And it's, it's really tragic. And it's notable that the bill is called the Bill of Rights for Parents, for Students and Parents. What are your concerns, Lisa, about protecting students? Yeah, I, um, the book banning in particular, I'd like to mention that. Um, as a parent, I have the right to have a discussion with my kids about what I feel is appropriate and in, in based on our values, our, our family values. And other parents have the same right to have that conversation with their kids. And I feel like that's a conversation that happens at home. Um, you have that discussion with your children about what's appropriate, what's not, what, and you align it to your own values. And um, for another parent to tell me that my child can't read a certain book when I feel that that's appropriate for my child feels uh, unnecessary and, and not really fair. Let's talk a little bit more about the Republican bill, co-sponsored by, again, Lori Chavez-Dreamer. And during debate, um, she offered two amendments to the bill, and she talked about that on the House floor. Listen to, let's listen to Representative Chavez-Dreamer again. One will help parents better understand the priorities of their children's school by bringing much-needed clarity to school budgets. The other sets both parents and teachers up for success by simplifying the curriculum feedback process. My proposals build on two of the five core principles of the Parents' Bill of Rights. Parents have the right to know what their children are being taught, and parents have the right to see the school's budget and spending. I will always fight to protect parental involvement and to put parents first. I'm proud to support the Parents' Bill of Rights. And with that, Mr. Speaker, I yield back. Representative Bonamici, any comments about that? And also, what are your hopes for your bill in the Republican-controlled House? Does it have a chance? Sure. Well, of course I support transparency, but that information's already available. As I mentioned, years ago when I was out talking to families, I would help clarify, here's the district information, there's access to that, and parents can have input in that. They can go to school board meetings, they can talk to their school board representative. This is, this is one of the local control issues, that we don't need a federal law saying how schools um, need to interact on, on budget transparency. Of course we support transparency. That's not an issue. Um, with regard to the hopes for my bill, I'm gonna keep working on it. Again, proud to say that more than 250 organizations are supporting. Last I checked, we had more than 60 members of Congress. Um, and I also wanna add too, you know, go, just going back to the, to the book issue that Lisa was talking about, Parents talk with their students. Of course they do. Uh, when they have a good relationship, they will, mm -hmm. they will have those conversations. But we want students to be safe and feel safe in school. And when schools are 
limiting or taking books out that have to do with um, people, historical people of color, of the LGBTQ plus community, that sends a message to the students of color, to the LGBTQ students, that they don't belong. And I mean, just look not too far from here at what happened in the Newburgh district. And what that, you know, that was devastating for students and, and educators of color there and LGBTQ students and educators. So um, banning books, particularly books targeting certain populations, is really creating an unsafe atmosphere in school. Lisa, we're almost out of time, but I want to give you a final thought to share before we go. Yeah, I have a lot of hope uh, for this bill as well. Um, I feel it absolutely um, creates a, a supportive and inclusive environment for our students and our staff members at schools. It creates conversations for families to have with their students um, and engages parents in a really authentic manner. So I'm really hopeful that this goes through. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us to shed light on the Bill of Rights for students and parents. And when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Congresswoman Bonamici about additional legislation she's working on, addressing mental health care and child care, among other things. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter, and welcome once again to my guest, Oregon First District Congresswoman Suzanne Bonamici. Thank you again for being here. My pleasure, Laurel. Well, let's talk about some of the other legislation that sure. you're working on. One of them has to do with mental health. And during the pandemic, it really took a serious toll on students, on families, on educators, on staff. But there are really very few resources available to help. Absolutely. What will your bill do to help uh, educators and staff and how significant is the challenge facing them? It's very significant. We are hearing constantly about teacher burnout. The pandemic was hard on everyone, Laurel. On you know our, our students, our families, our, uh, our educators, everyone. And so what we want to do is increase access to mental health care for educators and staff. We, as part of that, recognize that we need more people in the field because there's right. not a lot of people out there who are uh, working in, in mental behavioral health. We're doing some, making some progress in, in that area, but the bill will increase the uh, access for educators and, and, uh, and for staff. But I also want to mention that we are hearing serious concerns about mental health among students as mm -hmm, well. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that. In fact, I have a bipartisan piece of legislation with Representative Stewart from Utah to increase um, access to and funding for uh, hotlines for students so they can have access to like Lines for Life here in Oregon. We were a leader on that uh, because we are very concerned about mental health and uh, particularly uh, among students uh, recently. So. Working on both of those issues. I know childcare has always been a really important issue to you, and you're Absolutely. reintroducing a bill next week that would help build more childcare centers connected with affordable housing buildings. Yes. And that it's such a struggle for for families to find affordable, accessible childcare. Mm -hmm. So how will your bill help? Well, this bill will help, and I really got the idea from talking with people in Oregon, visiting a site that has uh, childcare with affordable housing. And this is something that I worked on even before the pandemic. Access to childcare is important for kids. Investing in kids is one of the best investments we can make. So as we're building affordable housing, uh, this bill will help co-locate childcare with affordable housing. And so it will help fill the gap, but we know there's a tremendous gap out there for people. Uh, and I have a childcare advisory board. I 
just recently spoke to someone who has a new grandbaby and she said um, her um, daughter is going to pay as much as her mortgage for her childcare. So we need to invest um, because it's really affecting uh, families. It's holding women back, primarily women, but uh, sometimes families back from the workforce if they can't find affordable childcare. You're also really concerned about college students experiencing hunger. And yes. that's something, a problem a lot of people might not think about, but you right. said you yourself, when you were a college student, had to access some food assistance. I, I mean, did. How big of a problem is this? It's a big problem. And when I think back to, I, I was on my own when I went to first community college and then college and law school and I use food assistance to help me get through and I think people don't understand oftentimes that um, food insecurity and housing insecurity are real concerns among college students uh, particularly now and I had a roundtable conversation where I heard from students um, students who are parents are very concerned about access to nutrition one parent said she may need to leave school if the snap cuts went into effect because she's trying to feed herself and her children while while she earns her degree. So I'm very concerned about that. So what my bill will do uh, on have food insecurity for students is have the colleges and universities give information to students about their opportunity, students who qualify, their opportunity to access food assistance. And so we'll break down some of those barriers, hopefully break down some of the stigma. Um, because if students are hungry, this is true whether they're babies or in the K-12 system or in college, they can't learn if they're hungry. Let's talk about reproductive rights. The Supreme Court blocked a lower court order that severely restricted access to the abortion drug mifepristone, even in states where abortion is legal, like Oregon and Washington. But that is only temporary, that Supreme Court decision. And even with the Supreme Court decision, the drug is still banned or restricted in 27 states. As a congresswoman representing Oregon, how are these decisions involving reproductive rights impacting you and what you're working on? First of all, it's devastating. I, I, I think, you know, as a woman for, for while over a decade I was only a woman in the delegation. This is devastating for women across the country. And yes, in Oregon, we have access to reproductive freedom. We permit people to make their own decisions about whether and when to have a child. But Laurel, the stories I'm hearing from women across the country, women who, you know, sometimes these medications are used if someone's having a miscarriage, for example. And a woman just testified uh, in, in the U.S. Senate that she was practically on her, they made her go and wait before she could get the care she needed. And she almost died before they gave her the care. So uh, banning this bill or restricting this, or banning this drug, which the FDA has approved 20 years ago and been used safely, it's very safe. Banning it or restricting is not gonna solve the issue. Just like banning or restricting abortion doesn't make it go away, it just makes it unsafe. So we need to respect people's rights to make their own reproductive healthcare decisions. I'm very concerned about this decision that came out of Texas and the Mifepristone decision. I hope the courts do the right thing and don't ban that. But even in Oregon, we're seeing people are coming to Oregon to access reproductive care. And that affects access here if there are more people coming from other states as well. I have to ask you about President Biden right. because last week he announced he's running he for re-election. Yeah. Even though an NBC News poll says that 70, 70 percent of Americans don't think he should run again, he'll be 82 at the beginning of his second term if he were to be re-elected. Do you think he should be running for re-election? Well, he, he's running, and I want—I I tell you, when I look back at what we accomplished with his leadership, uh, I want to remind people that we, I, we passed bipartisan infrastructure bill. We passed bipartisan safety.
safer communities to address gun violence. We passed the Chips and Science Act. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, President Biden has been a leader uh, getting our economy back on track. And so I'm happy to support him. No uh, concerns about, about his age? I can't say I don't have concerns about anyone's age. We don't know what's going to happen, but with looking at the job that he's done and that he will continue to do, I'm proud to support him. I can give you about 30 seconds for a final thought to, to wrap things up, whether about the education bill or something else you'd like to share. Sure. I just want to emphasize again the importance of our system of public education and what it means for students, for families, for our communities, and for the economy. There are efforts to privatize public education. There are efforts to, to limit what is being taught. Um, we can't let that happen because our public schools, our public school system means so much to our communities. So thanks for the opportunity to talk about the Parent and Student Bill of Rights. Congresswoman Bonamici, thank you for My joining pleasure. us here on Straight Talk. Always nice to have you here. Thank you. And thank you for watching. And thank you for listening to our podcast. It's available wherever you've got your podcast. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.